baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you ought to know about it, and there is so much going on in the Twin Cities and beyond. I am telling you, the metro area is on fire. The theaters are opening up. People are out and about, and it is wonderful. Now, I have to tell you... um, This particular theater that we're starting out with called Strike Theater, I have never heard about them, and I'm sad to say that, but they are celebrating their fifth anniversary next weekend. They survived the pandemic and are one of the few stages in the Twin Cities having sketch comedy, improv, and storytelling. Well, joining us now is Allison Broen, and she is one of the co-founders of the theater in Northeast Minneapolis, and she joins us now. Hey, Allison, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. You know, I had never heard of Strike Theater, and you guys have been around five years. This is your fifth anniversary. Tell us how it started. Sure. So Strike started um, five years ago, and um, my co-founder and I um, both performed a lot of places around the Twin Cities. He was with the Brave, Mike Photos was with the Brave New Workshop, um, mm-hmm. main stage and teaching improv and sketch. And I was running poetry and story slams around bars around the cities and producing about 80 shows a year at different venues. Um, and we decided we should pair up and start a nonprofit staged theater. Um, and also we share space. It's kind of a unique partnership with the SEIU Local 26 Labor Union. Right. Um, this is a labor union for the janitors. I thought that was so great. I'm such a union girl. I thought it was great. Yeah, it's so wonderful. They're the janitors and the window washers um, and the uh, like the security guards in Minnesota. Um, and one of our friends was the president of the union. And I went to practice with him one day, um, and he had this big, huge space. And I said, well, what do you use this for? And he said, well, we need it for our union meetings a couple times a month. And I was like, well, we should do shows here. Um, and he said, we should, but we're moving. Our lease is up. So let's talk about it as we're moving. And so we did. And so we have the space right next to door to their offices. And they have their union meetings there. And we have discounted tickets for their members and um, help teach classes and storytelling skills and things like that. So it's a really neat partnership that is is part of why we were able to survive the pandemic because we kind of had those two businesses in one. Did it inspire a show? Did it ins- inspire a piece that would be on your stage? Unions? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had one of my favorite shows we've ever done was when the International Union was um, in town and we actually did a storytelling show full of members um, from the union and it took place in three different languages. And we all had the earpieces that they simultaneously simulcast their meetings in in different languages. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had Somalian storytellers and Spanish storytellers, and sometimes it was in English. And so everybody, when they couldn't understand, was in that same kind of place of having to listen through the translators. Um, so it was really cool. And their members have such amazing stories. They're 85% immigrants in English, a second oh, language wow. workers. So it's just, 
um, you just get the whole world right, right there on the stage when we're doing things like that. Yeah, it's it's really quite remarkable what you do. It's very unique. I don't think I know of any other theater like you are. Um, and so I know there's a great story about getting the space for the theater. You just told us about it. Um, and, of course, the union being willing to offer that to you. Really so great. So thank you too much, so much to the, to the union for doing that. And it, the theater holds about 100 people, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I looked at your website, and I'm, I know you had classes, that's, you know, kind of common, um, perform at strike. What does that mean? Sure. That, that anybody can come and, and perform on the stage if they go through you or the other owner? Uh, it depends on our, sh- on our shows for sure. Um, but we do have multiple open stages every month. Um, so we have what we call story slams where there's a theme every month and a person can show up and share their story on the theme for the evening. And those are open to anybody that comes in and wants to share a six-minute story. Um, and if you win that, you can, like, advance to our Grand Slam and win trophies and prizes and eternal glory and things like that. Um, and we also have a monthly improv show called Stage Match um, that anybody can sign up for, and they get assigned a team and a coach for the evening. Um, and we do, a like, a you know, all the teams go and then it's just a friendly voting from the audience to declare the winner and they get invited back the next month. Um, But we, the cool thing that we do is we do have uh, really accessible shows to people. So, you know, you might not go to a sketch show and be like, Oh, I could do this. I could hop on stage. Um, But if there's, you're at a storytelling show, you might say like, Oh, I had this great life experience. I want to share with people and we have space for people, so you don't necessarily need to identify as a performer to be on our stages. It's pretty exciting what you do, and I know in your uh, about page, it was I didn't get enough information. I was like, I want to hear more about how they came to be and who they are. But I will say this: um, it seems like you're giving and um, giving the community the ability to be a big part of this by taking on the stage, presenting something completely new. And I think when it's an original piece, do they share or do you share with them the ownership of that piece when they perform it? They own their art that they're performing on our stages. Absolutely. Um, And what we do is a few different ways. We have our open call shows. Um, We do co-produce shows with different groups and that way we can just help promote them mostly. And then we can also, we're very passionate about giving new groups and young producers some guidance um, so they can be successful. So we'll do some co-produced shows, but you know, they manage their content and what they're going to do. And we're just kind of there to help coach and back them up and help them with whatever they need. And then Saturday night at our five-year anniversary show, we're um, doing something totally new for the next year, and we're actually opening up. We had applications for co-op spots to join mm-hmm. the theater. So we're going to be announcing our eight um, groups that were part of the application process that we chose that are going to have a physical home at Strike Theater. Um, they'll be doing four weekends a year or a monthly show at the space, and it's a mix of all of our mission. They all fit our mission for original works, sketch, storytelling, um, improv works, and it's going to be a great way for us to work with each other, help volunteer with each other, learn for each other, and have all these smaller places that would never open up their own space have a physical home. So we're really excited to kick that off. 
So if people want more information about the fifth anniversary, do they go to your website and find all of that? Yep, www.strikedeaththeater, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and it has links to our show at 7.30 next Saturday. Um, and it's kind of kind of a silly, we're not telling you who's performing in it, but I can tell you it will be a lot of fun, and you'll be there for the excitement to see the announcement of our co-op members. Yeah, and what time does that start? 7.30. 7.30. You don't want to miss this. It's such an unusual uh, place to be in uh, Northeast. Of course, there's a lot of artists that are there anyway, and so it, it fits. But I've never heard of you guys, and I know about Northeast quite a bit. So I'm going, how did I miss this? But for this to be your fifth year, you must feel pretty high on the horse because, you know, a lot of theaters have been hurting. But you say online that, you know, you thank the audience for really protecting, making sure that, you know, you all are, are safe by wearing the mask and proof of vaccine being required mm-hmm. at the strike theater and i think that's remarkable that's ex- exactly what should be done so we appreciate that thank you we appreciate that support too and um, because it is a decision we made at the heart of um you know keeping our community safe and keeping um our performers safe and just by the nature of the art that we do we do have um a lot of a lot of you know, immunocompromised people on our stages and, mm-hmm. um, you know, people that would be really affected by COVID. So we're glad that we're able to make a safer space for them to come. So during the pandemic, how long did was it before you had to close temporarily? Oh, my gosh. Um, we closed that the weekend the whole world closed, basically, yeah. that March 15th. That March, Mm-hmm. And we had actually, our shows have been going so well that uh, my co-founder and I decided to give ourselves a weekend off for the first time in all those years, <laughs> the weekend before. Bravo. <laughs> That's um, what it comes to, right? You're just happy about a week off or a weekend off. That's you know, great. Right? That's great. Um, yeah. So we didn't have, like, we only had like two shows that whole March um, and then, yeah, we did some online shows throughout the 18 months. Um, you know, we talked some online classes as well. Um, and our actual, our monthly donors were really the ones who made sure that we survived because we could and, have an And of course, people can donate on your website as well. There's a yes. donate um, button too. So it's been a pleasure meeting you, Allison. Didn't know anything about you, and I'm going to do my best to try to get over there and see a show. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank All right. You. We- All right. Take care. All right, everyone. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk about Frozen. It's in town at the Orpheum Theater. You don't want to miss this interview. We'll be back. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Yeah, I love this song, too, and I know many of you know this song. Well, let me tell you, the national tour of Disney's Frozen is in the Twin Cities and just kicked off a three-week run through October 20th. Now, F. Michael Haney is joining us. He plays the lovable Olaf in the snow in the show that has become one of Disney's all-time hits, and he's joining us now. I am so honored, F. Michael Haney. Thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, absolutely. I'm actually just walking through your beautiful city right now, and uh, 
uh, you know, we're, we, we get to come to these really amazing cities, and a lot of us, it's our first time, and the audiences here have just welcomed us with open arms. We're so appreciative. We are so into theater here, so, you know, you can be guaranteed if people notice you on the street, they're going to stop for a minute, look at you, and just kind of go, hi. <laughs> We are so happy the cast is here. We didn't know if Frozen was going to happen here because of all of the changes with the pandemic um, protocols, but we are grateful. So here's the thing. When I went to go see it last night, I am amazed at it. I was so joyful when I left. It was spectacular. And your character... Seriously, your character is Olaf. I couldn't stop looking at you. Of course I would look at Olaf. He's just amazing. And what you do as the puppeteer was remarkable. But tell me, how do you prepare to be the puppeteer, also be a little um, invisible while Olaf gets all of the credit, the, the actual character, the puppet? I think one of the greatest things about, about this story, and I promise I'll answer, but I think one of the great things about the story is that it is about family and how much we need each other and all the things that you do for your family and those that you love. And I think that's one of the best parts about kind of getting to disappear behind this puppet. That I'm in this beautifully designed costume that is very, very warm um, and uh, a beautifully designed Michael Curry puppet. But to be on stage with my, my co-stars and to get to to be a part of that, almost overlooking Olaf like I'm his proud parent at a sporting event. Um, and uh, it, it really, I, I couldn't do without the rest of my company. And to get to be on stage in that capacity with that beautiful puppet, um, it, is, it, is the, it is the hardest thing to prepare for because, you know, you have to learn a lot of technical things about, you know, I blink with my thumb, I raise my eyebrows with my thumb, he's attached to my feet and everything. And, but at, at the end of the day, I, my job is to disappear. I, I hope that audiences can, can see my face and start to blend it onto the puppet's face and see the reactions from Anna and Elsa and Kristoff and Sen and, and then think to themselves, wait, did he, just, did he just blink? Did he just look at me? So that's what I'm trying to do. Well, you're doing it very well, and I must say, it's more, it's more about, yes, you said family. It's about family, but it's also about sibling, sibling rivalry as well as uh, siblings coming together and loving one another. They never stopped loving each other. One was trying Absolutely. to be protective, which was Elsa. The other one, Anna, was just trying to get closer to her sister like they were before. This story, I had never seen it from this perspective. It gave me a whole nother understanding of Frozen and what it really meant. And it was Disney on display. It's remarkable. How did you feel the first time you set, you know, when the, when the, the full set was being shown to you guys? Were you shocked? Were you in awe? I had, had the opportunity to see it on Broadway because I had a bunch of friends who had been, who done the original Broadway production. And even Greg Hildreth, who uh, created the part of Olaf on Broadway, um, and so I got to see it in its splendor. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then when I got invited to be a part of this company and this road family, knowing that we had this whole new perspective that we were adding to the show, that we were going to get these some new costumes, some new songs, some new things that were totally different from the movie, totally different from the Broadway production. But also that, like, we got to, as theater artists, take a show and a movie that had been produced, you know, many years ago. And look around, and especially after this long pause, to look at the world that we have here in October of 2021, and we get to do Frozen to that world, with that knowledge. And I think that that's the most amazing thing about live theater, because we can't escape from the world outside. We enter from it every single day. We see the news. We hear everything that's going on. And 
I think that that perspective was built in Frozen, but I really love that audiences have been able to embrace that 2021 Frozen is, is unlike any Frozen you've ever seen. I agree with that. I absolutely agree. In fact, I talked with my son who lives in Los Angeles. I talked to him about it. And I can imagine all of the places that you've been with this particular piece has been a learning experience, right? You probably hear different things from the, the cast members as well as the audience. And so here we are in Minneapolis going to see Frozen. I have both of my grandchildren. One is almost nine years old and the other one turned four this year. And I cannot tell you the joy on this on the faces of those two girls. My my littlest one, the four-year-old, kept watching Olaf, and she kept asking questions. I'm shocked you couldn't hear because she would get loud. <laughs> How does he do that? You know, it just would come out. And the joy on the faces is almost like the magic is back. The magic is back, and you help bring it back. Thank you so much. And, and I want to say that the audiences are how we do it. Otherwise, it would just be a very expensive rehearsal. Um, and to get to have those audiences, and, and every city is it's just like the, the food in every city. You know, you go to Chicago and you get pizza. I'm learning all the amazing cuisine here in the Twin Cities. But it is that thing that, like tonight, our audience was so live and they were so ready. And they also, they laughed at things that a lot of other audiences haven't picked up on. So we're, we're like, oh, oh, they're leaning in today. They really want to listen to this and, you know, get some of that, uh, that humor that might flo- float above some of the, the four-year-old friends. Um, and we, we are so we are so happy to get to be in front of these people and, and these crowds and these audiences. And with everyone being so safe, we are so happy to be back in these, in these beautiful, beautiful facilities again. Ditto here. We were excited. I know you heard the cacophony of sound from the audience at the end. Everyone jumped to their feet because we were so inspired, so happy. I mean, absolute joy. What was that like for you to hear that in Minneapolis? I think one of the most exciting things about Minneapolis was that, you know, uh, we had been in Buffalo before this and and Buffalo was a really, really great town. Um, But we also, we had rehearsed there. We had done everything and done all the prep and all the setup. So here to show up, walk onto that stage and be just blown away by the love and the absolute, like, like you said, the cacophony of reception that was, that was like delivered unto us. It, it is so humbling to get to be an actor and get to experience theater coming back like this. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know exactly how we would be able to to put it into words if we didn't get to experience it. Because we know that even though we've done this show, you know, 120 something times before the shutdown, mm-hmm. and now we're chugging along doing more. We understand that some people haven't been to the theater in years, and some of our young patrons have never seen live theater before. And it is such a huge responsibility to get to be that face and that production and that group of human beings to stand in front of another group of human beings and lay it all on the line. And, and Minneapolis has absolutely not disappointed. And we are thrilled beyond belief to be here through the rest of our run. I can only imagine that 125 shows, um, you, there's been some tweaking for Olaf. Um, when was the last time you had to tweak him? The funny thing is a, a lot of people think it might be a little more planned than it is. But to really? be honest, the best part about getting to be born on stage every night, I mean, Olaf is one of the few characters who 
everyone else has stories and life and they have to think about, you know, where was my character at the beginning of the play? My character, <laughs> you, you see the moment that Olaf comes into the world and he is nothing but light and love and he, he wears every emotion right on his sleeve. So I get to ride the audience like a, like a wave and I'm surfing. So if they're really, really bubbly and fun, I get to make him roll with that. And the, the best part about having the most amazing scene partners in all of my work and to have amazing teachers who prepared me for this moment, I get to not improvise. I say all the lines that are written um, uh, beautifully. Um, but <laughs> I, get to, I get to live every single night. And so when the audience is really, really laughing, I, you know, Olaf gets to yuck it up a little bit. Um, yeah. And if the audience is, is really leaning in and listening, we get to push through and really, really like hit the hit the beats and hit uh, the heart of the show. But I think I think the exciting thing is Olaf gets to change every single day because of the people I get to do the show with. When I well, get I to, to look at them, that makes the show different for me. I have to tell you, you are quite an accomplished actor, by the way, as well as a singer. And I am quite um, blown away. I love to look at the playbills and read about all of the people involved, all of the actors and singers. And in a musical, I'm always curious to see what you would write as your thanks or if you want to say something personal. You wrote, um, thanks to mom, JP, uh, somebody in parentheses, M, uh, Nicolisi and, and company, Grace, FF, and FA, Science, and the Vaccine. I couldn't believe you wrote that. I was so excited about that because this changed your life, right? It did. I mean, the funny thing is, and, and not to sound too overly emotional, but when we all went home for the last time in March of 2020, and we looked at each other and we went, when will we see each other again? Because we were in Portland. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, and one of my closest friends who was on the tour looked at me and said, I hope we can come back soon, but I don't know if we can come back until a vaccine. And so we kept kicking the can down the road and hoping and, and you know, taking the lead from the, the leaders of our, our world and the leaders in our industry and at Disney. And when I heard them say the vaccine is being developed, I looked at my friends and I went, that's, that's the hope. That's the hope waiting at the end of this tunnel that we will be able to do live theater safely. Because there are ways to have done this, I think, possibly. Of course. But I think mm -hmm. this is the most responsible way to be equilaterally responsible for what it costs to do mm -hmm. live theater. And okay. I, I do not take that lightly. And that's why we are so appreciative to venues and to patrons for trusting us with their safety and with the health of them and the health of their children. We have four unvaccinated students, like uh, children in our show because mm -hmm, they're not mm -hmm. old enough to be vaccinated yet. Mm -hmm. And we know that when we choose to go to dinner somewhere or we choose to stay in a hotel, we choose to experience the city that we carry that responsibility of those four actors with us. And okay. I have I, one more question for you of Michael Haney. Um, okay. So, I have to ask you the question, what's going on on Broadway? Because we're starting to hear about, you know, sexual harassment and so much more. And that being out there, now that theater is open, it's really hard to take it in. Um, how are you handling that and even the cast of Frozen? Or do you guys talk about it or, or do you have any feelings about it? I, I, I've been doing this for about 17 years when I, when I graduated college. And I think there was a lot of stuff that we used to talk about 
in, in, you know, in the dressing rooms with hushed tones. And we used to talk about it, you know, over coffee or dinner and say, hey, did you hear about that thing with that person? I don't know. And I, I hate that it has been on, on the backs and on the experiences of so many people who have had bad things happen to them in this industry. But I think that we are all realizing that we have to be loud. We have to be public. We have to hold each other up. And we have to stand with those people who are being like mistreated. And, and I say that because I am so privileged and so fortunate to be someone who, who does have a, a career and can, can correct someone when they say my name wrong at a rehearsal or, or correct them if they misuse my pronouns. I can do that because I've been doing this for a long time. And I, I have to be among the allyship of so many people who don't have a space in the room yet. And right. to even, even if it's to step out of the room to hold the door for someone else, that's part of what we have to do as an industry. And so with all of the stories coming out of, you know, uh, tone deaf scripts and uh, people who say the wrong thing or people who act inappropriately, it's time for those dinosaurs to be gone. And, and I, I mean it very seriously when I say there is not, there's not a thing that, is come, that comes out publicly that hasn't been discussed in hushed tones for, for weeks and months and sometimes years. And I hope we are all, all becoming prouder to stand with those people who need the support because we love art and we love that art is for everyone. It and is for everyone. Represent That's everyone. exactly it. Oh, F. Michael Haney, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to talk to you tonight. You are doing a great Thank job. So I'm trying to bring my granddaughters back again. So take care of yourself, Please. Please. and congratulations you so on a great show. All right, take Absolutely. care. Thank you. We'll be back with Eric Morris in just a moment. Welcome back to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. And, of course, I'm excited about this. Why? Because it's all about a play called The Play That Goes Wrong, and it's happening at the Old Log Theater. The curtain literally has opened once again, and I'm so happy about that. That's in Excelsior, Minnesota, if you don't know where it is. And this piece, The Play That Goes Wrong, is their opening show, and director Eric Morris is joining us to preview it. Welcome um, to, to WCCO and Center Stage. Thank you so much for joining us, Eric. Hi, Gerilyn. Thanks for having me. Hey, now, you joined the cast. Well, not the cast. You joined the theater. What was it, 2018? Um, Yeah, and I've been working there since um, 2015 on and off as an actor, but then I I stepped into a little bit more of a directorial leadership role in 2018. So, um, yeah, it's obviously great to to be back, um, back once again doing theater. Isn't that the truth? How hard has it been for you to know that you started in 2018, you had all of these plans, things were going great, 2019, yay, yay, then 2020, everything changed. Yeah, I mean, we were heading in such a such a great direction. We had a great a great production of um, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder that was um, super, super popular, um, critically acclaimed, and was getting really great audiences. And we, we literally stepped into our next show, which was the Dixie Swim Club, with some fabulous, um, fa- fabulous actresses um, that was going to really, you know, uh, just kind of step us into 2020, which was going to be the 80th year of the Old Log. You know, Old Log mm-hmm. opened in, you know, 19, 1940, so that was going to be a big a big celebration for for all of 2020 and of course you know like every every theater in in the twin cities and around the around the country and the world it just kind of the rug got pulled out from under us and and that entire 
celebratory year for the old dog was just was just gone. So I mean, it it, it certainly was um, certainly was very tough, and and planning what was next, what the future was, you know, not even knowing necessarily if there was going to be a future. I mean, it was, it was for sure, for sure, a tough, a tough year and, and, and change to, for the, for every theater, but yeah, the old log too. Exactly. The thing about it is that there wasn't a protocol put in place right away when it came to theater. And so a lot of theaters just had to figure it out. What are we going to do? Did you find support in that? Did you talk to other theaters? Yeah, the thing about the thing that um that the Greg and Marissa Frankenfield did during during the pandemic, um, they kind of took the time to do um some much needed um renovations in the theater. You know, a lot of a lot of other theaters were taking the time to do some sort of filming, you know, they would film shows or they would do, you know, virtual stuff and um Greg and Marissa, you know, are really really just decided we're gonna we're gonna take this time we're gonna get a new a brand new hvac system in the theater we're gonna um you know change the the ropes and the 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 fly systems and we built a brand new proscenium and the stage was completely ripped up there was you know just some some stuff that needed to be done to you know the the as we were dealing with COVID and coming back, there was a lot of a lot of health and safety concerns that needed to be addressed in the HVAC system and the the kind of taking care of. There was there was a lot of leaking under the stage, so we took care of that. So the the air in the in the theater was is, was needed to needed to be addressed and backstage and how that was going to be. So they really took the time and put a lot of money into into some much needed renovations that make it really really feel and seem seem brand new. Yeah, and of course, the play that goes wrong is seems like an apropos title um, for the opening yeah, show. Absolutely. And so, tell us, tell us about the piece. Yeah, so it's a um, super popular play, you know, around the country and in, and, and in London as well. It's been um, it's been on the West End for ten years now. Um, it had a Broadway run. It's coming back off Broadway um, October fifteenth. Um, and they, this company that that started the show, Mischief Theater, they also have a television show, The Goes Wrong Show, which you can watch on Amazon Prime. And essentially, their um, their kind of concept for everything is they they do a lot of play within plays. So they've they've got the Cornley Drama Society, which has which is an inept um, amateur theatrical group, and um, they are putting on a, uh, a murder mystery, the murder at Habersham Manor, which is um, kind of similar to, to Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap is kind of the, the idea behind it. And um, the ineptness of the um, performers and the technical staff, and um, it, it really just comes through throughout the entire course of the play and everything literally based on the title everything that goes wrong can possibly go wrong with the set with the the dialogue with the actors with you know just anything that you can think of it 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 completely goes wrong a lot of people say oh it's kind of like noises off well noises off times a million. I mean, nothing, nothing, nothing can 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 go right for these for these um, for these performers, and it it's really just a great show that needs an audience. I think it's a great it's a great show to come back to a, to theater when we have audiences because it's really a collaboration between what's happening on stage and the audience because the audience and the actors are discovering all of these things together. Everything that goes wrong, you know, the the actors in the play. Uh, they weren't ready for it, and neither is the audience. So it's really just a, a piece that that everybody is connected, and everybody's experiencing um, the same energy and and the same 
the same kind of conundrums um, together. So it's, it's really a give and take from the cast and the audience. So perfect show to come back to with, with, with audiences. On your website, it says the, it's uh, oldlog.com is your website, and it says all tickets yeah. are the same price online, by phone, or by or box office, and there are no service they charges. Are. So you've already given us an, an incentive, right? That's right. <laughs> Which is Just great. Just get a ticket. Don't, anywhere. It's all the same. <laughs> all the same. So here's the thing. You've got the Thursday matinee. You have a Friday evening show, a Saturday evening show, yeah. and a Sunday matinee. Now that's changed, yeah. uh, you know, since since the uh, before the pandemic, uh, because it was you had other options than that as well. So when you talk about these matinees, what are we talking about? What time? One thirty. Is it? Well, on Thursdays it's one thirty, and mm-hmm. then on Sundays, Sundays it's two o'clock. And okay, and the Friday the and Saturday, yeah. Yeah, seven seven thirty on Friday and Saturday. All right. So, what are you hearing from people? Are they excited to come to the first show at the Old Log? Oh yeah, we had I, I, last night truly, and I talked to a lot of my cast, and um, just the the excitement to come back, the excitement for this play. There's a lot of buzz around this play. People people love love this title and love this play, and they're excited to see it locally. I I have as an actor, as um, as a director, and just as a theater goer, I haven't felt an an energy that was quite as palpable as, as what we were, what we were dealing with last night. I mean, the show probably ended up being 20 minutes longer than, than we expected it to be just because the response from the audience was, was so, so supportive and um, just so extended. And they just were, they were with the actors every, every step of the way. So I, there's, and today too, even with our matinee crowd, it was, it was a very, very, enjoyable experience to sit there and, and, and listen and, and watch people just, just have a great time. Um, yeah, so, I can imagine yeah, it's tingles it. everywhere, right? It's like, you're yeah, so excited. Yeah, it's, it's like, you're tingling. It's like, Oh my God, we're actually back. Yeah. So congratulations. The play is called Thank the play you. that goes wrong. And if people want more information, where do they go? Yeah. Oldlog.com. Oldlog.com. All right. Tons of information about, about our show. Eric Morris, it's a pleasure having you on. Thanks so much for joining yeah. us. Thanks, Gerald. Right. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, we're going to come back with our next guest, the Barley Jacks. Ever heard of them? Mm-hmm. We'll be back in a moment. This is the Minnesota's all-star roots bluegrass band. They're called the Barley Jacks, and they released their new single just last Friday, and it's a fun, grassy take on the Beatles' I've Just Seen a Face. How about that? And it all leads up to their show this weekend at the Parkway. And, of course, the Parkway Theater is well-known on on Chicago. And Brian Wickland is the leader of the folk group, and he's joining us now. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Gerilyn? I am so glad to have you guys on. Let me tell you something. You have done such an amazing thing in the sense that so many artists have a hard time paying to get um, a song done or you know, it's it's just a challenge often, but you guys had a, the opportunity to actually get it done because it's fully paid for. And I just wanted to start out with that. That's amazing. Were you shocked or did you planned it so well you expected that? Oh, well, you know, gosh, we, we have just such great fans, you know. And so when we uh, we put out the Kickstarter campaign, we had just so many folks that were um, – really enthusiastic about the band and, and contributed to uh, make the whole album happen. 
Okay, so I see three guys together on your website, and then I see four guys together. So who is the fourth one? The fourth one is our bass player. Um, and the bass player that we started with with the band was um, Kevin Rao, and he's just this amazing bass player. And um, he was with the band for seven years, fell in love, moved to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And um, so uh, since then, the bass chair has been rotating. Uh, but we are so glad to have him back for our, uh, uh, to do all of the recording for the album and also for our CD release concert on Saturday as well. I can imagine how exciting it is for you to know that, hey, we've done something this big and we know we can we can settle down and say, we've got the support. Let's just go give a heck of a show. And of course, you always give a heck of a show. But what is new this time? Well, um, well, you know, um, I think it's this is kind of a celebration of of really 10 years since our last album that we put out. And um you know, a lot of these tunes uh, have developed as well as our sound in the last 10 years. And so this is sort of, I kind of view this as a punctuation mark at the end of a, a long, a long sentence. And so um, we are sharing, you know, with our fans, this, um, this uh, capping experience of, of all of this decade of music that we've put in. Um, and then with the, also another thing um, in regards to the concert is, um, the band that's going to be opening for us is called Honey Butter, and it's led by my daughter, um, who's uh, 26 <laughs> years old, and their group is uh, up and coming. They um, they released a single, and within a few weeks had next to 100,000 listens on Spotify. So, you know, they're, they're opening for us this time, but we'll likely open for them one day. Wow, how about that? You must be a very proud father. So it's it's incredible. Anytime the family members come on and get on board, that's a really big thing. Even in our family, it's the same way. So thank you so much for sharing that piece. Now, of course, as you um, start doing more and more shows, the one that's coming up at the Parkway, how are you going to decide what music to do since you have quite a bit of it? Well, we'll certainly feature the music from um, the album. Um, right, of course. We always but we always tend to throw in something unexpected. And um, I, I think the guys are used to me saying, hey, yeah, let's let's try this, <laughs> you know, and just pulling something on them. So, you know, there's, there's always a surprise. And, um, you know, I'm not going to give that surprise away uh, to you or the band <laughs> until the last minute. Man, shucks. Okay, last question. You guys decided to do this take on the Beatles. I've just seen a face and I just heard a bit of it. Um, and of course, yeah. I, I have to ask why that particular song, song of the Beatles? Well, you know, gosh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I've always, I love the Beatles. And this one, that particular song, I've just seen a face, lends itself to sort of a, a country music or a bluegrass take on it. And um, just messing with it, I it was a song that was written in a way that was different than mm -hmm. a song that I would have written. And so I felt it was an interesting challenge to, you know, there, there are a lot of words. I've just seen the face. I can't forget the time of places. You know, so I wouldn't have written that, you know, but I think it's just, it's super fun. And uh, it also lends itself to um, face melting solos, um, which we, we tend to do in this band. So. Well, make sure you tell Joel and Mike, I said, congratulations on the new album and that it's fully funded. That is such a blessing for an artist, let me tell you, as you well know. So thank you for joining us tonight, Brian. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much, Gerilyn. It's always great to talk with you. All right, you too. And of course, if you want to hear more or learn more about the Barley Jacks, all you got to do is go to barleyjacks.com, barleyjacks.com. All right, I also want to mention that my sister and I are have been having so much fun with all of you uh, giving us your comments on our recent concerts we've been doing at Crooners and as well as the September 26th concert that we were a part of called the Pay Gap. Uh, Rock What You Got did that. Thank you for all of you that were on the streaming service to see it and so much more. I was not feeling well that day, and I am so grateful for, you know, being able to still sing that day. So that was really important to me. Also coming up is the Mom and Michael Hour. Of course, that's coming up next. But before we do that, I also want to say thank you so much for you know, buying some tickets even now for the October 29th show at Crooners. That's right. Javita Steele and I will be back, and we can't wait to see you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 